2: Blog Talk Radio. <clears throat> <coughs> east coast and uh... good afternoon excuse me good afternoon east coast good morning west coast my goodness gracious i've got my coasts mixed up my name is todd waller and a co-host here at uh, raise the bar radio on blog talk radio and as ever our host mr michael mcclure is here with us is that correct what up todd yo mike hey um so it's like 25 degrees outside kind of sunny kind of cloudy and we've had snow and i think uh... the description for you and i uh About being excited about snow and cold weather here is maybe an understatement. Is that about right?
1: Absolutely not. I completely disagree.
2: Oh, oh well, so you're hating it.
1: <laughs> well, you know me Todd. I pretty much hate whatever season it is. <laughs> if it's summer, I want it to be winter, if it's winter, I want it to be summer. I do like spring and fall, so so let's know. talk again let's talk again in March or April, and then again in September ish.
2: <laughs> that is too funny. Uh, my yeah, we've been uh, kind of bouncing off the walls watching the snow fall in, in our household. But, hey, you know what? The folks listening to us don't necessarily care what the weather is necessarily like. It's just a nice topic to maybe chat about for a little bit. Um, today we've got Mr. Darren Persinger of ProductivityJunkies.com uh, joining us uh, here in a few moments. And uh, we're excited to bring him on board and uh, hear the thunder uh, that he's got for us today. I, I'm really looking forward to uh, chatting with him. And um, we... Uh, Typically, uh, at this point, we would be bringing on Mr. Chris Smith, uh, tech savvy agent, to uh, chat with us a little bit, and he would be bringing you know, his uh, his miracle of thunder, if you will, uh, but I think he's at the uh, bar camp in Atlantic City, is that correct?
1: He did something called Triple Play, which I don't even know what that is, but oh. it's uh, some multi-day event. Uh, oh, very I cool. think it's in Atlantic City, but that's all I know right there.
2: Nice. Well... I'm sure he is uh, dropping some uh, huge knowledge for the folks that are there as well. So uh, with that, I turn everything over to you for a moment there, Mike, I think. And um, where are we going?
1: Well, I wanted to talk about a couple of things before we we bring Darren on. And and, um, the first is I wanted to congratulate you on the uh, speaking engagement that you have this evening. Um, Why don't you tell the the viewers a little bit about uh, what that is and what you're doing and, and how you got the opportunity?
2: Uh, well, uh, go go social media! Woohoo! Uh, Detroit Renegade Real Estate Investment Group is getting together tonight. And uh, about a month ago, I was contacted by the organizer, uh, one of the organizers, Jeremy Burgess. And um, it was really interesting how it all came together. Um, the initial invite to come and talk with them um, was to talk about how I've utilized uh, social media to uh, continue conversations about real estate but also how to um, work with or attract or solidify client relationships uh, through social media. And how the whole conversation started off, I thought was rather amusing. He says, Todd, I've got to tell you a point blank. I've never asked a real estate agent in my, I think, 10 years of doing this to come speak to our group. I don't like real estate agents, and yet I find myself repeatedly bumping into your material, both on Twitter and Facebook. And I have to say, I'm intrigued, I'm drawn in, and I've got to see how you do what you do. Uh, So there's another opportunity uh, just created by uh, being, I guess, myself or my unique self, I guess, in a social media space and someone saying, we want to learn a little bit more about that. So looking forward to it. It's about 25, 30 people showing up tonight uh, out in Royal Oak. It should be about an hour or so presentation and and, uh, good questions and networking to happen all around that, I believe.
1: Cool. Well, again, congratulations. And, you know, these opportunities, pardon me, just keep happening and i think they're happening with even more and more um frequency and it's just exciting mm. uh and then um another thing i just wanted to mention uh before we bring Darren on is the facebook thread that uh, that mm. exists on uh tech savvy agent's facebook page and you know there's so much going on in the tech the world of tech savvy the, the, in the world of tech-savvy agent, that it's it's hard to keep track of it because every time I go back to look at something, there's something else there that I didn't know was there, and I spend time looking at it. And there, you know, the content the content that they put out is just ridiculous. But the one thing I'm getting at here is that they, he asked a question. Chris Smith asked a question, which was, uh, "Is your broker tech-savvy?" and he was asking it of agents, of course. Is your broker tech-savvy? and in in and i'm paraphrasing here but the gist of it was if so great if not is that a problem and i would implore any listener uh, to this show to, to go check that out and again that's you could just uh, search within facebook tech savvy agent and you'll find it but there were and 107 people the, oh, actually great. just
2: dropped it in the uh, facebook um excuse me just dropped it in the chat room for the folks listening live
1: great um there were 107 people or 107 responses which once you filtered out there were about 79 or 80 different unique responses to that question and i found it very interesting i think you did you did as well todd but without Definitely. saying much more just check it out because if you care about that topic you'll want to see what agents are thinking these days so now moving on to darren i first met darren at agent reboot seattle Uh had been seeing him online for a while I was aware of ProductivityJunkies.com, and um, I just found him to be, uh, I find him to be one of the sharper guys in, <clears throat> in the business. Uh, he's a coach. He's a trainer. Uh, I think hes he says he's had something like more than 2,000 hours of one-on-one training with agents. He has a background in real estate. He's originally from Wisconsin, now lives in Seattle. Uh, I've had the chance to spend time with him a couple of different times now. And he's just one of my favorite people in this space, in addition to the fact that he's just knowledgeable. So uh, without further ado, uh, hopefully he's he's on the line and we can bring him on now.
2: He is, and I'm going to apologize again, Darren. I, I saw that tweet about, um, uh, this is Howie Bucky, I believe is the name of the song, and I'm sorry I wasn't able to find that for you to bring you on, my man. <laughs>
0: Do you just want to sing it a cappella for me, Todd? You don't want me singing, period. <laughs>
1: Fair enough. So welcome,
0: Darren. Hey, what's up? Oh, great to be here. Thanks for having me. What's going on?
1: Well, you tell us. You know, we we bring people on like you to um, to enlighten the industry and to to help spread the spirit of social media, which I think you agree with us as being one of, you know, helping other people. I saw a tweet, I think it was two days ago, that, has just stuck with me. It's unbelievable how much I've thought about this one tweet. I don't even recall who put it out. I don't even think they were in real estate. And it basically said, collaboration is the new cooperation. And did you see that?
0: Yes, I've seen that.
1: What do you think of that?
0: I believe that's absolutely true. Um, uh, What... We're cooperating, uh, Jonathan Rivera, Drew Burks, uh, Chris Smith of Tech Savvy Agent, we're all kind of collaborating with each other right now on this event that we have coming up next week, Web5 Live, and I think a lot of people from the outside would view us all kind of in the same space, doing the same thing, Um, but we've gotten together and, and realized that we're actually in very different specific niches, so let's get together and, and collaborate and get smarter with each other and provide even more value to the real estate industry going that way.
1: I and I think that's great, and I think you're right. That is an excellent example of people who could be construed as competitors who are teaming up for the greater good. And I see that going on in a lot of different places and I don't wanna I don't want to waste valuable time talking too much about this one thing, but I do think it's cool, I do think it's absolutely in accordance with the spirit of social media. And why don't we come back to that Web 5. It's called Web 5 Live. Is that correct?
0: Yes, Web 5 Live, the number five, web5live.com, if you haven't signed up yet for it. Um, kind of going back to that collaboration thing real quick, though, I, I just thought of early, early on in my career. Um, I I was making my career by calling expireds and fizzbos, And I was... I was hated on in my office because I was the young kid and I was actually taking listings so at every office meeting I'd I'd have a new listing to share and I remember something that my broker at that time shared with me and it was just give them, tell them what it is that you're doing, tell them exactly what it is that you're doing, share your expired packet that you're mailing out because only one of two things will happen. They'll either take it and make it better and then share it back with you, or two, they won't do anything with it at all. So what's the harm with sharing the information?
1: Interesting. That makes a lot of sense, actually. Well, you know, it's funny just to to expand upon that just a little bit more. I have found over and over that the vast majority of people will not follow anyone's advice. So so the risk of sharing even really almost what I would call confidential or, you know, top secret information with the masses, the risk of that coming back and really harming you, I found to be quite low. I mean, I'm sure it can happen, but my experience is that most people will not do what you tell them to do. They will not implement plans. And I think that's where probably you bring value in terms of what you do. And in fact, let's go back and start over because I want to make sure that you know, everybody listening to the show and who will listen to the archive show has a proper understanding of the context of this conversation, which can only happen okay. by you telling us who you are, for those who don't know.
0: Okay. Well, uh, I'm, I've am i been around the industry for a while now, um, 13, 14 years, licensed 1997. 2001, started managing multiple uh Offices in a division for century 21 then was a Keller Williams team leader for a few years now I'm doing my own thing and I would not consider myself a a social media tech guy by any means um, but definitely in that space because in order to increase productivity you have to leverage social media inbound marketing technology all that stuff if you really want to get what you want out of business so I would say the tagline basically is I help real estate agents increase their productivity and their sales by utilizing social media and technology.
1: Awesome. And you and again you've been doing that how long?
0: I've been doing my own gig for a little over a year.
1: Gotcha. And I know you you're originally from Wisconsin, you moved out to Seattle. When did you, when did that happen?
0: About 3 years ago.
1: So you were doing the real estate thing in Wisconsin, obviously, for quite a while before you came to Seattle.
2: What, what yeah, took I'm, you to Seattle?
0: I'm just a small-town small person. I, 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 I think my perspective on why social media resonates with me so much is because of the relationship value. And I, I just can't wrap my head around it being a transactional um, basis at all. To me, I, I grew up in, in real estate. I'm an SOB, son of a broker, and I, <laughs> I, I didn't get to, to work with my parents that much. They had sold their brokerage uh, before I ever got licensed, but I, I grew up in it. I, I sat around the office. Um, I had my own sign company. When I was in high school, I would go put, put signs in for agents during the winter, hammering them into the frozen tundra of Wisconsin and putting up the gold <laughs> posts stuff like that. Um, But what I remember in my dad's real estate office in Reedsburg, Wisconsin, uh, butter capital of the world is the (laughs) farmers and all the people from outside the town would come in each day and they would, they would grab coffee. You know, this is before Starbucks and stuff. They'd grab coffee and they'd read the paper there. in my dad's real estate office, because the real estate office was the hub and buzz of the community. And that's where I want real estate to go back to and what the value of a real estate agent can be. I I, I don't think it's necessarily about square footage and market stats, but it's about community information and building a community.
1: Totally agree. And that's interesting that uh, that your, your dad's office was used as a hub like that. That almost sounds Mayberry-esque.
0: Well, it, it, we're, we're about 8,000 people there. Um, so I think that has a lot to do with my approach to real estate and what I coach agents on about getting smaller. Um, if you live in a big market area, like, for example, out here in Seattle, the cities just connect to each other. Seattle's not that big of a city, but then we have all these other little towns and communities around it. So then I see real estate agents driving you know, 45 minutes to go show a property where literally for me, my next town was 30 minutes away. Then it was just dairy farms and cornfields. So I wasn't about to go to another town to sell a piece of real estate. I had to stay inside Breesburg, Wisconsin and do all my transactions right there.
1: Yeah. In fact, our our metropolitan area here in in Detroit is a lot like Seattle in that respect that, you know that there's no real geographic boundaries for anyone and people routinely drive you know 45 minutes to show a house or to list a house which is you know highly inefficient but that's just a function of the, of of a respective market but so let's talk about let's talk about something you said a second ago about the transactional versus relational nature of social media because to me this is a really key aspect of this whole conversation And I could probably put together – I could put together a list of the people who I believe are using social media effectively in real estate. And my guess is, Darren, you could put a list together and our list would be almost identical. Uh, And so I've come to the conclusion that the only way that we can use social media effectively to generate business is by doing it indirectly. And I think that direct sales – on or via Facebook are absolutely inappropriate. Agree or disagree? Agreed. And so when I see, like, literally five minutes ago, I saw a certain company who I won't name, and I guarantee you, you know who I'm talking about, who just constantly direct sell as a corporate entity, and I just think it's wrong. What do you t- What do you tell agents who come to you on this topic? What advice do you give
0: them? Um I, I kind of want to take this back back in time a little bit again and and maybe I'm just you know I'm, I'm getting grizzled and and old and grumpy maybe in my years now you're too young too for much that about the, I, so what's going on with me I have no idea then <laughs> Um I I just remember in in my perspective could be completely distorted because of my age at that time and I didn't know exactly what was going on, but I don't, to me, I didn't see commissions become an issue that the consumer complained about the commissions that an agent was earning until like the mid nineties and on. Otherwise that commission stuff never came up. And I think that came up because of the way that the real estate agent started to treat the consumer. And it was because of the trainers and coaches that were coming out during that time and that was really starting to become popular in the industry of turning it into a transaction and really pounding the phones for expireds and FISBOs and doing that type of thing instead of creating a relationship. Because when you have a relationship with someone, they don't care what you're making. They just want you to be honest and forthright and be able to trust you in the process. But when we started making ourselves... Salespeople from all the training that was coming down through the industry in the 90s and on, that's when the consumers kind of flipped and turned on us and said, we don't like the amount of money that you're earning. I mean, I could be way off. I know you guys have more experience, life experience than I do on that. I'm wondering what your guys' perspective is on that.
1: I totally agree with you. In fact, it's interesting because I have to say that I've never, ever connected those dots I think you saw the blog post that I wrote recently, which was called What Becomes of the Brokenhearted, and it was talking specifically about the old-school trainers who are the ones I think you're referring to. Mm -hmm. And and I totally agree with you, and I think there was absolutely an emphasis toward production over people and transactions over relationships. And that has become – I don't want to say the norm because that's probably an exaggeration. But it's absolutely become very prevalent, and I think your time frame—the time frame that you that you speculated it was—probably is correct. And great observation on your part. What do you think, Todd?
2: I, I would uh, agree with that wholeheartedly. My my experience with uh, uh, a real estate trainer um, ran very simil- similar similar uh, to that life cycle, if you will, um, and the. Um, Not necessarily the timeline, but uh, the life cycle definitely, where uh, getting in, it was uh, transactional-based. And then as the market started to slow down and fall away, um, the trainer uh, very quickly changed – I don't want to say changed tunes. It was always there, but continued to emphasize more greatly the uh, relationship, you know, getting to uh, uh, clients – um, you know needs and desires and wants at the table, uh, being a buyer or a sell, and, and uh, working to address those as opposed to the pure transactional nature uh, that uh, had been pushed prior to that point in time. So I, I, I'd buy that for a dollar. I just came on the scene just a little later uh, than you two guys, unfortunately. But great observation, Darren.
0: Thanks. I, I I think everyone should just reflect on that and look at where where they're getting their emperor Information from and then how they're translating that into their local marketplace and and how they're approaching their business but when, when I just go back in time and look look back through that stuff and reflect on it that's when I really saw the consumer um, because if, if I asked about if I asked my dad about real estate in the 70s and 80s there's no one was objecting about commission and the newspapers and the press weren't bashing real estate agents for six percent I mean I charged seven percent when I was an agent. Mm -hmm. That that's what my commission was. So, and even really at that time, no one got questioned that too much. So, I just think we it it, it is about the relationship. And if you're going to make it transactional based, of course the consumer is going to object to the commission or the fee that you're charging because then it becomes about dollars. So exactly. Look at how you're approaching your business, and that, that'll probably solve a lot of your frustrations.
1: So, shifting gears just slightly, how did you, you know, you've become prominent on a national scale in terms of, you know, as I started, as I said when we introduced you here today, I met you on the Agent Reboot tour, um, mm-hmm. uh, and I know that you've been doing stuff like that for a while. How did you get there? How did you? How did you go from having your own gig for really in my opinion not that long to getting right. to the to the level where somebody thinks of you uh when it comes to putting together a speaker panel at a, at a national level real estate function why do you how did that happen
0: Um I I don't think there's any tricks to to what I've been able to accomplish on being recognized and acknowledged, I think it was just that I, I do have a ton of experience and um, a decent track record of success inside uh, a smaller area. And then so when I opened up the doors and, and took that platform out beyond, um, I, I could speak intelligently about the industry and come up with some value-added ideas because I'd already already been providing them to agents and brokerages for so long I was just the the platform of what uh, the internet a blog gives us what social media gives us I was just able to expand that and amplify what I was doing on a daily basis with you know the, the 100 200 250 agents that were sitting directly around me and move that on to a much larger platform so That's just basically using the tools at my disposal, not changing anything that I do, just using the tools.
1: It really is amazing how social media blows up the exposure potential, isn't it? I mean, I I put out a tweet this morning that talked about how there's no geography in social media. And specifically, I said that because I was sending DMs to a number of people, including you, Darren, in which I was asking people for their addresses. Because I was, you know, I'm going to send out holiday cards to a number of people that I've become friends with via social media. And I was amazed at how many people responded back to me, and I had no idea where they were. And I was surprised. It's like, I had no idea that person was in Florida. I had no idea that person was in Texas. I had no idea that person was in California. And it's just, I I mean, that probably sounds somewhat childish, but it's, I'm still in awe and wonder at this amazing ability that we have now via Twitter and Facebook, Facebook, etc., to to reach people and to connect with people anywhere at any time. And I just, I, I think you agree with that, don't you, Darren?
0: Yeah. So, I, I mean, I just, I don't, I'm not that interested in trying to convince someone that doesn't see it because I just, there's too many other things for me to be doing with my time and energy because it's just kind of, it's an obvious like just really sit there and look at it but again it could just be that my perspective of this is how real estate was done back in the day and it it's to me it's, I'm glad to see coming back around to this relational aspect instead of the transactional stuff of what we were doing basically you know early mid 90s and on so i'm just excited that it's coming back to this and Maybe it's because people came came into the industry at a certain point or got training from someone about the way real estate they thought real estate should be done, and so everyone's going to have to change their perspective somehow. But to me, this is it's just a no-brainer. So I I I just don't care that much about having a debate with someone about whether there's ROI in social media or not.
1: Yeah, in fact, it's interesting because. Uh, You you tweeted that thought at some point several months ago, and I I really thought about it because I've spent time arguing with people and debating with people about the merits (laughs) of social media, and quite frankly, you moved me away from that because exactly for the reason you just cited, which is either you get it or you don't, and it really is obvious, and it really is, I think – Horribly apparent to anybody who wants to truly think about it. I just think there's a lot of people that don't want to see it. There's a lot of people who don't want to admit that there is ROI in it because that means they have to change and they don't want to change. In fact, was it you who put out a tweet was it yesterday or the day before where you were talking about Gary Vee and how you know he, how the whole social media is bringing this back around to almost a small town thing? Was yeah, that Gary's you? Gary's
0: been talking about that for a while. In in his videos and saying stuff like, um, you know, our our grandparents would crush us in business today, because they just get it. Um, Yeah, this this comes down to a a a thing that my dad taught me too. Um, I took as I was taking over some offices. One of the changes that had happened is we were a large brokerage in Wisconsin, and what was happening is all of our bills were being run down to the the corporate headquarters and they're being paid from there. And one of the things my dad shared with me was, you know, we got a lot of business by just going down to the hardware store and buying a dollar 50 product. And that would turn into a $5,000 commission. When you do business with the local people in town, with a sign company, with uh, the printing company, with whoever, then that business comes back to you. So, you know, I I know there's great ability to do stuff online, but I would say look at how you can connect to someone locally to find out what service it is that you need or what project you need help with and, and go build relationships that way with the local community. I know it seems weird to use these big, powerful tools to connect people locally, but that's exactly what I think they're for.
1: I I don't think that's contradictory at all and I completely agree with you and in fact the technology can allow you to do that much more efficiently as I know you know simply because of keywording and you know geotagging and all that that allows you to hyperfocus you know we do this by using just the names of the towns around us you know as columns on Tweetdeck or Hootsuite and and that's that's an uh, I think that's a great idea and I don't see a contradiction in that at all um let's let's change direction just slightly here because one of the things i'm really looking forward to talking to you with involves your use of video and i okay. know you're you believe in video quite a bit um you're famous in my opinion and you know granted i haven't watched every video you've ever made but you're famous what? in my mind for two things in video okay one one is your no flyers in the flyer box song um yeah. you you were you were the original <laughs> Uh, Real estate video musician. Unfortunately, you beat me. I did the rap thing. You did the guitar thing. You did the Seattle Uh, sound.
0: uh, Yeah, I'm acoustic. Yeah.
1: You're acoustic. (laughs) Uh,
0: In fact, yesterday, Chris, you you did the Detroit hip-hop, Eminem, old-school kid rock thing. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly.
1: And in fact, we need to we need to put something together because Chris Smith and I yesterday agreed to do a, a sort of a remake of the um, you know Jay Z and Eminem did shows in uh, uh, Comerica Park in Detroit and at Yankee Stadium in New York. He's he lives in Brooklyn. You know, I'm in Metro Detroit, so we're going to try to redo that. So we need you okay. to come in on this somehow and and you know just add some flavor somehow. But but anyway, tell tell the listeners about your uh, No Flyers in the Flyer Box song. <laughs>
0: Um, you know, here's the, I'm I'm actually going to talk a little bit about blogging with this because, um, I have been playing guitar longer than I've been in real estate and I've been writing songs for longer. I've been in real estate. And the cool thing about writing a song is you, you get the information and you, and you get it out and it's done. Um, it, it doesn't take you a year long, like maybe to write a book or something like that, right? And yep. so blogging was kind of a natural thing for me because it was basically like writing a little song. You you create an, an, uh, an intriguing opening that captures the, the attention of the person, and then you have to find that hook. What's that thing that they can take away from the song so later in the day they're going to be humming it or singing the lyrics. What's the thing in the blog that they can take away from it that they're gonna remember even later on in the day that's just gonna stick with them. So, um writing songs and blogging are completely in alignment with me and I was just out for a walk with my girlfriend Catherine Cannon one day and we uh we kept running across for sale signs I had flyer boxes on them with no flyers. In the flyer box, right? The song basically writes itself. And I think that's why the song kind of uh, caught on so much is it's, it's hooky, and everyone's thought that as they go by a for sale sign with a, a flyer box, and they look at it, and there's, there's no flyers in the flyer box. And so we just walked by it and noticed this trend, and I came back and sat down and wrote the song in about 15 minutes and recorded it and threw it up on YouTube, and I think it's approaching 2,000 views now.
1: Wow, that's awesome. That's awesome. And then the other video that you made that I found perhaps as, if not more, entertaining was the one you did about um, social media outsourcing. With Was it called No Point? I think it's the term you used for the fictitious yeah, company no, that you were yeah talking yeah. about.
0: No, no Point Social Media.
1: Tell that story quickly, if you would.
0: Well... I think that's going to be one of those things when Gary Vee talks about legacy, when I'm you know, 10 years from now, I might look back on that one and not be so proud of myself. But it's what I was feeling at the moment. There's a, a company out here in Seattle that you can outsource all of your blogging and social media to. So they'll send out tweets for you, but it's the same tweet that everyone else of their clients is doing and the same Facebook status update and they write the same blog posts for you. So we we literally have like 80 to 100 real estate agents pushing out the same content. Is that are and, you being
1: literally are you being literally true in what you just said? I mean it's it's actually verbatim stuff.
0: Yeah, it's it's literally the same tweet with the link going back to the the same blog post. Everyone has their own Twitter account and Facebook and blog set up but it's all the exact same content, and it's not really even original content. They're just ripping off a YouTube video. Like there was one blog post of um, rent dotes save money on lawn care. Like what does that have to do with real estate? Wow. <laughs> what, and so my frustration is you're not going to be found in the search engines. Number one, doing this method. Number two, you're you're not going to get business from your sphere because they're going to show up to it wondering. Why the hell did you go so crazy and you're blogging about goats? Because that's not what you would talk about in normal life. That's not your voice. You're not providing value to your sphere. So they had this entry video on on the company's website where they're talking about their services. And the video that I put out is, I'm, I'm not kidding, it's basically the same script. I've just embellished it and have done it more sarcastically. But they're they're using almost the exact same lines that I used in my video.
1: Uh, a primary difference was, I believe, your iPad was made of cardboard.
0: <laughs> well, that I mean, that's debatable. I don't know if you can prove that. <laughs>
1: But I, the part that I remember the best was just the fact that you, you know, again sarcastically, were talking about the fact that, I, and I can't quote you, but the gist of it was, notice how I'm holding this iPad and not using it for anything.
0: Exactly. It's I, purely for a fact. Of, yeah. It. I think my iPad is as functional as what that guy was holding. I'll say that.
1: Sad. And and you, did you say that you know that there's like eighty there's like eighty agents that are actually using that service?
0: Yeah, there's some really smart people around here. Um, Rhonda Porter, uh, she's a mortgage lender. Some cool title people. And every once in a while, they'll send out a tweet with the link because you can do a search for it, you know, because they'll have the same keywords on Twitter, mm-hmm. and then boom, here's this whole Twitter feed of people putting out the exact same tweet with the link back to the exact same blog post and the same things coming through from their Facebook pages. It's completely automated. There's nothing authentic about it a- at all. And my advice, if if you're one of the agents that somehow gets your hands on this, which the problem is, is none of those agents are going to watch the video that I put out or get educated on this type of stuff because they basically, you know, They've washed their hands of it and said, "I'm online. I'm done. I don't have to worry about that stuff anymore." So if somehow though they come across this, what what you what I want you to look at is basically you're doing more damage to your brand than good because it would be it would be the same thing as if you went and gave a marketing company a bunch of money and they're like, "Okay, we're going to put up billboards all over town." but we're not going to tell you where the billboards are going to be at or even how to check your voicemail for all the leads that come in from the billboards.
1: Excellent point. Yeah. In fact, it's uh, continuing the no point theme. This morning I got out of bed and I was just overwhelmed with this blog post idea and I've written about 80% of it. It's called social media snake oil. And basically I'm going to, Talk about how how many people are out in the space, not just in real estate. I'm not picking on real estate, uh, but anywhere who really who hold themselves out to be you know social media experts and the advice they give, in my opinion, is often uh, as you just said it. If you follow the advice of this company, that you were uh, parodying, you're going to harm your brand. And and I you know we've Todd and I have encountered a few of these people. In fact, it was hilarious you know i I have all these crazy timing things happen to me, and I'm probably just kind of wired weirdly in terms of looking for connections where perhaps they aren't but I'll just tell you this quick story so this morning I'm writing this blog post about the snake oil salesman, and I'm referring to this woman i'm not going to name her, but I went and attended a seminar that was taught by this woman, and she held Correct. herself out to be held herself out to be this you know expert in promotion and TV advertising and social media and it's a major production and so I I went and listened to this woman talk for like 2 hours and I got up and left halfway through it. Just got up and walked out of the room because it was just so, you know, she was just such a, sh- a fake. I mean, she just didn't know what she was talking about. So I'm I'm writing these these notes for this blog post and I'm writing about her and on Twitter as I'm writing about her, she sends me a tweet. And and in this tweet She she's replying to something I said sarcastically to her about three weeks ago. And she says, Thanks for the retreat. R E T R R E T R E A T. The retreat. Now granted it could have been just a you know, it could have been an honest mistake, but I honestly think this woman doesn't even know it's called a retweet. And I thought that the timing of that was just so funny. It's like, lady, I'm writing bad things about you, and here you are proving my point. It was just so a lot so of bad people out there. What was the, what was
0: the, the class on? What was she? Uh, what was she pitching or selling?
1: Um, she was pitching. Um, it really wasn't. I, 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 I didn't tell that story entirely honestly. It wasn't primarily social media. It was. It was about promotion in general. Her background really was in TV and in um, newspaper media, but she recognizes that she needs to up her game and incorporate social media into her package so that when, you know, my problem with her was when she got around to talking about social media, it was clear that she didn't have a clue. And there's a room full of people taking notes, and it just bothered me that, you know, again, I viewed her as a snake oil salesperson because she wasn't speaking the truth because she doesn't know the truth. Right. So it just bothered I guess that me. would
0: be my biggest frustration would be um, – businesses, uh, services, coaches, trainers, whatever, throwing in the social media tag uh, because that's the buzzword right now. And everyone yep. feels like they need that. So, um, you know, th- there's no – it's not a social media project or service at all, but they're just putting that that term on it. And so the agent feels like, oh, okay, I'm going to buy this because it's social media. And, yep. and that's my biggest frustration.
1: Absolutely. Um, yesterday, you and I had a, a brief um, Facebook exchange, in which uh, the topic was overcoming objections. Yeah. And um, I don't even recall what the context, but I, I remember I made a comment to the effect about, you know, my view. Oh, I know what it was. It was a blog post I wrote about. the the training that's going on from one of our competitors where the topic of the training session was overcoming objections. I made a comment, which was that in today's day and age with all the things that agents need to get current on, that overcoming objections, while absolutely important, would not be my number one topic for training. And you chimed in and made a comment. What was that comment and what were you talking about?
0: Well, so if, if we're talking about raising the bar, Here's what I do and here's what I don't do. I don't do a broker's job. To me, the broker's job is to teach and train and educate on real estate, on property, on the physical aspects of it. I teach on the business development side of it. And where I think sales becomes really dirty is when you skip the understanding of the product – or service that it is that you're selling and move immediately into how do I um, create the opening line and how do I handle objections and how do I close. That's when sales gets dirty because sales becomes very natural when you know about the product and service, when you know it inside and out and you're passionate about it and you feel comfortable with it, then it doesn't. you don't need to learn objection handling and techniques and tactics and stuff like that it just happens it becomes very much more organic so on raising the bar i want brokers to do a better job of taking their agents out into the field and and show them the difference between central air and baseboard heat like just some elementary stuff that i know agents don't understand teach them the difference between you know roofing and what's composite and what's not teach them about siding. Teach them about these things that a real estate agent should know. Or am I crazy?
1: Oh, no. No, you're absolutely correct. Uh, In in fact, it's interesting. I'll try to make this brief. But um, one of our competitors, we have a competitor that's literally 100 yards from our office, actually not even 100 yards, probably 100 feet. And we've recruited a couple of their agents away. And we've interviewed a few of the others, and I recall this one kid, really good kid, good heart. And he came over and, you know, spent about three hours talking to him about our concept versus his current concept. And it was, he had been just completely molded in the wrong way already. And he was only probably 28 years old. But his whole approach was um, I don't understand contracts, I don't want to understand contracts. I yeah. just wanna I just wanna do deals. Can you help me just do deals? Can you help me just sell a bunch of real estate and make a bunch of money? And I'm like, mm-hmm. son, you gotta learn your job first. Well I don't wanna you know, I don't wanna be a master of the minutiae. I just wanna do deals and make a lot of money. How much money can I make with you? And I'm saying, mm-hmm. dude, you just got it all wrong. You need to become an expert at what you do and then the money will, will just happen organically as you just suggested, Darren. And so yeah. I see so much of that in our industry, and it always just breaks my heart.
0: Yeah, one one of the things I, I mentioned in that comment on your Facebook was um, go pick up a book called Spin Selling by the author Neil Rackman. And um, he talks about in there, actually they did some case studies, and what they found is that the way people buy is different on, on believe this or not, on high dollar items versus low dollar items, and the psychology is completely different. do you believe that
1: Can you summarize it?
0: Yeah, and guess what the dollar amount is on a high dollar amount when people's psychology changes on on how yeah. they like to be approached and how they think about it. Guess what the dollar amount is?
1: God, no idea three hundred k
0: hundred and nine dollars. <laughs> Wow. I was a little bit off. I was just a little bit off. $109. And where they, they really started to pinpoint this one case study that they gave was inside a camera store. They taught they had them doing the traditional old-school sales, you know, hard-closing, objection handling, and then they had the other part of the store do spin selling. <clears throat> and the reason why they were able to take the data is because they were selling film in one part of the store, and then the other part was selling the higher-priced cameras. And what they found was that if if they did the traditional push on the film, the lower-priced item, yes, they did sell more film, actually. But when they did the exact same technique on the higher-priced items, the cameras, sales went drastically down. Wow. So I think we need to be looking at, again, who are we getting our training from and who are these people getting their training from? Are they just learning – closing techniques on people who sell gym memberships and lower price items? Or do they actually understand that the mentality of buying a $300,000 home is a lot different than buying a $30-a-month gym membership?
1: Well, how often do we see this phenomenon? The I've had success – and it doesn't matter what we're talking about. It could be any industry, any line of work. But I've had success, and therefore that validates that whatever I did was the right thing. And there's no there's no research. There's no analysis. It's just, you know, I work with an agent right now who's had tremendous success over the course of, the, of a 40-year career. But the techniques that she uses – aren't good techniques she was just good for you know other reasons intangible reasons not because she was using methods that were good methods but if you talk to her her success is entirely attributable to the specific methods that she used and it's hard to convince people who've had success that it wasn't necessarily for the reason they thought it was not to mention the fact that quite frankly in our industry if you got into the business when I did, which was in 1990, the first 12 to 14 years of my career, uh, I'm not exaggerating, an intelligent fourth grader could have made 100 grand selling real estate because the, the, the industry was just that good. I mean, it was just that there was so much business everywhere. I'm sure you experienced some of that.
0: Um, being an intelligent fourth grader or –
1: well, uh, I'm guessing you probably were an intelligent fourth grader, but no, I'm talking about just being in the industry when it was hot.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. And so everyone is, is having to um, to relearn some stuff, but it gives us an opportunity to get better at this stuff and to get rid of a lot of the crap that we've been taught over the last 5, 10, 15, 20 years and really become um, – Better at understanding human psychology and how people decide, and how do we approach them the best way to do this, and how do we build long term relationships. I mean, when, when people talk about ROI, it's like it, it drives me insane because I know 95% of agents wouldn't do probably 98% of the activities that they do if they really understood ROI. If they understood ROI, they would be doing a lot better with their business and it would be doubling in size almost every single year. If they would just follow up with the clients that they made happy or if they did a great job in the transaction. Right. So, um, I guess that's the stuff that, that just kind of drives me insane that where, you know, I want to share this with you because this, I know that you're a a big fan of, of why here, here's why, I have the mindset that I do, and a lot of it, is, it comes from genetics and watching my parents and all that stuff. But I had this this moment. I was coming back from North Carolina, uh, down there for a friend's wedding, and we stopped in Cincinnati on our way back to Wisconsin. And the, the girl that I was dating at that time, we stopped there. She wanted to go into Saks Fifth Avenue, very high-end store. And I had I'd never been into that high-end of a store before. I mean, keep in mind, again, I'm a s- small-town kid. So we walk in there and you know they, they sell shoes that are $1,200 and purses and bags that are $5,000. So I was a little overwhelmed and felt uncomfortable. But the sales consultant there did a great job at putting me at ease, asked really engaging questions. And we were first in the shoe department. And then what they did is we wanted to go look at some other things. That person in that department walked us down to the other department, introduced us to the sales representative there, told them a little bit about our story that we're coming back from North Carolina, to Wisconsin, here's what we're looking for, here's what we've already purchased, blah, 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 blah. And I sat there and I reflected on it and I'm like, sure, these things are really expensive, but so is a damn real estate purchase. Whether you're the buyer and what your monthly mortgage fee is going to be or you're the seller and you're paying that 6%, 7% commission. That's really expensive stuff. So does our professionalism, does the way that we approach the industry, the transaction, does it reflect what it is that the consumer is paying for? And I'm going to say 99.5% of the time the answer is no, and that's why I do what I do so that we can make it reflect that.
1: All that was music to my ears and I couldn't I couldn't agree with you more. And I and I really do think that's a great analogy. And I you know, there's so many people that have just been turned loose on the public with no training, with no knowledge, and they're not bad people. I'm not judging anybody in the process. It's just a matter of it's just a fact that the barrier to entry is too low, the training is too minimal in most cases, and you know, the fact that there is a market for someone like you uh, and and you know I don't have any intimate details on your situation, but my guess is you do well because you're good at what you do. but the fact that there's a need for you is 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 kind of a bad thing in my opinion. Wouldn't you agree objectively
0: well I, if if I was running a brokerage, I wouldn't bring me in
1: because you'd make the broker look bad, right? not intentionally, but you just would.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, I, I'm i the one that wants to be providing that information, not an outside third party. Because what happens if they bring me in and I do a training session, I wonder how many speaking gigs I'm going to lose now. I, they bring me in <laughs> and I, I do a workshop. And then six months later, um, another brokerage in town, you know, an agent that was at that event goes back and tells their brokerage. Now I'm over at that brokerage. And so... And then they hire me on a contract basis to come back once a month. Well, what happens to those first agents that I was just talking to? If they liked what I was saying and got value out of that, are they maybe going to look over at that other brokerage of like, wow, Darren's working over there with them. They're getting tons of value. Maybe I want to think about joining that brokerage. The the, the value has to come from the brokerage.
1: Well, you know I'm really glad you said that because there was one question on my list here that we hadn't gotten to that I really wanted to get to because I really don't know your opinion and I value it and want to hear it but okay. um uh Chris Smith, Tech savvy agent, and also Christina Wise of the good life team uh you know they were on the on our show earlier this year um independent of one another, and they both said basically the same thing, which is if your broker isn't you know providing this type of training and knowledge and information that we're now talking about. If you're, if your broker isn't training you on social media and technology, find a new broker. What's your reaction?
0: Um, yeah, that's great because I actually have another business model that does that, that helps the brokers. So, oh Um, seriously though, I, I, as I was going around the country, speaking at places, going to bar camps, I, I'd like to observe, um, If if people think that I'm bipolar, it could probably come off that way because sometimes I can be very animated and very social, and other times I just sit back and observe what's happening around me. In a lot of these places, what I was observing is that the only people there were agents. The brokers weren't coming to these things. The managers definitely weren't coming to these things, and the team leaders weren't coming to these things because those managers and those team leaders get to collect uh, a weekly, biweekly paycheck. Why do they care about learning and staying in the game? They're going to get their check no matter what. It's the agents that have to go earn their commission dollars and it's pay to play that are trying to stay in the game. So I reflected on that and I'm like, man, these brokers are just missing the boat here because these agents, once they start to get the understanding, they are going to go join a brokerage where there's a support and environment that's going to nurture this process that they're going to pick up some more tips and ideas. So I'm trying to help brokerages. Um, that's actually probably 70% of what I'm doing now. I have a lot of brokerages inquiring about that. How can you teach us to fish um, instead of doing the fishing for us?
1: Mm. Excellent. But I, And I do think you're right. I, I, I mean, uh, and I think Chris and Christina were right as well. You know, I see – I see a number of brands that are rising up. I wrote a blog post called "Mojo Rising" about a month ago, which talked about this. Where you know, there's just brands, this filling this vacuum. You know, there's a vacuum that exists in our industry, which is companies just aren't really focused on this stuff that we're talking about—the social media and tech stuff—because it's just not what has driven the industry historically. But I think people are starting to recognize that's changing. And you know, to to, get, to cite an example that you'll appreciate, um, Darren. Uh Linda Aaron and Deborah Trapin at Coldwell Banker Bain in Seattle, who I had the pleasure of meeting, and I know you know well, correct
0: mm-hmm.
1: um you know when i when I look at what they're doing, um you know my hat is completely off to them. uh, you and I participated in a little panel session at uh at one of their offices in actually was it Portland or Seattle it was portland
0: it, it was in Portland, yeah.
1: It, and and you know those two women are so one they're just great people but they're they're dy- they're dynamic they're they're really leading and they're really seeing the future and they're doing their best to enlighten their agents and when i look around you know in my in our market there are no Cobo banker baines there are no companies i'm aware of other than ours uh, and i'm sorry if that's self-serving i know but it's the truth that are truly focused on tech and social media and you know hats off to to deborah and linda but hats not off to all those companies that i couldn't include in that list
0: yeah i'll give some free consulting right now to coldwell banker uh franchise find a couple people and come out here to seattle and portland follow Linda and Deborah around for two to three weeks, figure out what it is that they're doing, figure out that process, that model, what it is that they're teaching, and then unveil that to all your other offices nationwide. You have a really valuable resource right here, and it's going untapped. It's absolutely ridiculous that they're only doing this in Seattle and Portland because they're way ahead of the game you're absolutely right about Deborah and Linda and I can't believe that someone from Coldwell Banker franchise is not trying to figure out how to pull them in to have more influence on their entire organization
1: and and here's where we disagree I can absolutely understand why they aren't doing it why Coldwell Banker is not um, using them as a template because they probably aren't even aware of it. Because again, it's sort of like you know, if a tree falls in the forest, is anybody hear? If people aren't engaged in social media, they're not listening to this show, dude. You know, they they don't know about RTV Radio. They probably don't know who you are. They certainly don't know who we are. And that and there's the dilemma. It's the people that know about this stuff. I mean you know? I know Linda's listening to this. I see her on Twitter tweeting about things we're saying. You know, she's here. But it's all the people that need it who aren't here, you know. And 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 I guess if you're Linda and Deborah, all they can do is you know pound the drum saying, "Hey, look at what we're doing," and hope somebody sees it. And I don't know what they actually do in that regard, but you know, uh, again, we're in complete agreement that what they're doing is is totally appropriate and uh, and fantastic. And again, I they're they're, they're really tremendous people. Well, Darren, absolutely. We are burning through this this hour, and we've got about two minutes left, um, and I'm sorry to throw this on you so late, but it, what do you want to talk about in the remaining time? You know, we, we haven't given you much of a chance to, to say anything that you want to talk about. I know you mentioned the Web 5 Live earlier. I also know you've got something going on called social recruiting. If you want to talk about that for a minute, feel free.
0: Um, I'll, I'll just throw out the Web5Live thing because if, if you like what we do there, then you'll you'll keep following me on later stuff. So Web5Live.com. And I just want to throw this last idea out at you, kind of going along my experience at Sixth Fifth Avenue. I've moved across the country uh, a few years ago from Wisconsin to Seattle. And I want you guys to all keep this in mind because here's what you're dealing with. You're not dealing with just a transaction, although it is a high-end transaction. Keep that in mind. If, if we would just say high in transaction versus transaction. But also keep this in mind. What you're dealing with are people that are dealing with a transition. It's not a transaction to them. They're in a life transition. The kids are going to go to different schools, play on little, different little league teams, go to different dance clubs. And the parents are at different churches and have to shop at different grocery stores and these different jobs. And it's very chaotic and stressful anytime you're in a transition like that. So please keep that in mind. We're dealing with a transition, not just a transaction.
1: And your point in saying that simply is you think that we probably become callous because we do it for a living and we lose sight of that?
0: Absolutely.
1: I think you're right. I absolutely think you're right. And, you know, we do see see oftentimes behavior in our clients, and I'm not talking about me, us personally, I'm talking about the industry. You see behavior that is somewhat irrational and illogical and i think we we often forget that it's exactly for the reasons that you're you're citing there that why that often happens that it's tremendously stressful, and decision-making is difficult and all that. But um, we've got about 25 seconds left, Darren. We really appreciate the fact that you came on the show, and we really appreciate your sharing your wealth of knowledge with our listeners. I consider you a personal friend. I look forward to seeing you again sometime very soon, and all the best to you, Productivity Junkies, Web5 Live, and all that. And I hope you have a great holiday. Thank you, my friend.
0: Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Todd. Thank, thank you, Darren. Talk to you soon. It. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye.